Union of the Unknowns, a podcast dedicated to the exploration of modern culture, presents a weekly digest of current events that may have slipped past your radar. This is not your mama's news. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the program. I'll be your host tonight, Keel Thor. With me, as per usual, are some of the unknowns. She's, uh, well, we've got a uh, lady of uh, high sophistication, high levels of sophistication. <laughs> Ashley, think, change, repeat. With a, Hello. With a, a very nice baseball cap on, uh, declaring that she believes, which... Uh, you know, I don't know where she gets this theory from. That yeah, they, she believes that Epstein killed himself. How wild is that? Yeah, that's crazy. And that voice you hear is America's sweetheart, Justin. The ism can't. Welcome, howdy, Justin. Howdy, howdy. Oh, this is. In case you're wondering, you're listening to Union of the Unknowns presents Not Your Mama's News, where we deliver some news from the week uh, as the. Uh, the intro informed you that you may not have heard about. So to uh, start us off, uh, Ashley has a story about something, I believe. I do have a story about something. Thank you, Keel. So what I wanted to bring today is not, I normally cover kind of heavier stuff, but lately Justin was saying that a lot of the bigger Liberty podcasts will kind of go over and keep track of the really heavy duty issues. Um, And so I, and I'm also starting to think that a lot of that is only to keep us in a fear state. Even if you're trying to see through the propaganda and analyze what's really happening, I still think that there's, um, you know, giving our attention to it is, something. I don't know. So I'm still playing around with that. But anyway, I have a little bit of a lighter story. And this is actually from the Daily Mail. And dictionary.com has added 313 new words. The The part of this that concerns me is that they revised 1,140 definitions and um, then created 130 new defini- definitions as part of its biannual update. Um, so we have new terms, including pink washing, folks, F-O-L-X, which is, um, it was proposed as a non-gendered version of a word that was already non-gendered, <laughs> folk, um, Latin, pink washing, queer baiting, and uh, I'm several pretty others. Sure, I'm pretty sure I've been doing queer baiting for quite some time. <laughs> that's when that's when you make make mean posts on the internet debate the queers into outing themselves right so the term queer baiting as documented here is a noun slang a marketing technique involving intentional homoeroticism or suggestions <laughs> of lgbtq plus themes intended to draw in an lgbtq plus audience without explicit inclusion of openly lgbtq plus relationships characters or people so, also so- queer baiting acts of anti lgbtq plus provocation so this is probably where you're at especially in speech and writing including hate speech threats and other forms of harassment targeting the lgbtq plus community so basically they came up with a word to exclusively use for hiv drug commercials (laughs) um well i think a lot of those commercials do actually have people that are that it is indicated that they're gay so that would not actually fit the definition of queer baiting so did they also add faggot baiting in there is that no stop no (laughs) okay so the other the other um what for us retards biannually is every other year it is twice a year so these are coming up for the winter 2023 season 
Um, a couple of the other interesting definitions, and I would, I would also say that I, I kind of don't have a problem of coming up with terms to describe new things that are happening. What I have a problem with is wokeism, as we know, and I have a problem of revising definitions. So my advice would be to find an old dictionary before like 1990 yeah. and hold on to it with dear life <laughs> first they buy, came for dr seuss then they can't come for your dictionaries buy yeah. physical media people buy it now buy yes. all of it because you're yes. not gonna have, not gonna ever be the same the Correct. amount of people that think they buy a movie on amazon like oh yeah i own this now no you don't right no, no you don't when that movie and gets canceled it's getting removed from your library without your consent and the and the Kindles you buy are are going to be updated without your knowledge while it's on oh, your Kindle. I yes. like the um, so, Easter egg there. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have a problem with um, you know having a book on Kindle or Audible, but you need to understand that those as the woke culture continues to spiral um, and become even more out of control than it already is, then you need to have the physical copy of the book and you need that, you know, you need 1984, you need Fahrenheit um, 411, you need 451, my apologies. And And I would say um, an old dictionary. Piracy is forever. Great. The problem with that (laughs) is that some people are computer, um, they're not great at that. Yeah, I would never condone breaking any law. But like, um, if one were to use a website, like, I don't know, realdebreed.com, they could just pay like $15 a year and then hypothetically, you know, copy their magnet links from their torrent website into it, just get a direct download there uh, from their servers. But that would assume that you know how to do any of that stuff, which I don't. Now, what I want to get back to here is a couple of new definitions that I do find really interesting. So let me let me get ready. Okay, please go. So trauma dumping. Now, this is unsolicited, one-sided sharing of traumatic or intensely negative experiences or emotions in an inappropriate setting or with people who are unprepared for the interaction. So um would that be like Eliza Blue? Maybe. Um, it seems like in this case, maybe would be more of like a one-on-one conversation or like, um, or you're having a conversation in one direction and all of a sudden you bring that in. It, 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 rem- it feels like oversharing to me. Now, the comment that the Daily Mail said here is trauma dumping is a term that describes when somebody is trying to speak about their trauma, but the other person does not particularly want to hear it, at least at that point in time. And of course, there is, um, you know, controversy like, oh, you're putting limits on on what people can talk about and things like that. And I'm like, look, there. Okay, here's what they exactly say. The term trauma dumping has been added to the online dictionary, and it's said to describe a situation in which somebody shares personal traumatic experience, but the person on the receiving does not want to hear about it or is unprepared for the interaction. The term has been criticized before for imposing limits on how people should be able to talk about the hardest aspect of their lives. And while I I understand that and I have sympathy for people that are looking to talk about that, the term, there's a time and a place for everything. That's true. There really is. Kill. Sorry. Yeah, just to contribute to that comment, doesn't that definition describe every conversation that anybody's ever had with somebody about their trauma? <laughs> like, I mean, who well, wants yes. to, you, you have well, to prepare yourself for something like that. You have to say, dude, yeah. I got this big thing. Can we talk about it over beers next Saturday? Okay. But if it's like, dude, I got to tell you this right now. I don't want to listen to this. I'm trying to watch TV or something, you know, but the the reason that my hand, the reason I raised my hand is because we skipped over a term I'd never heard of. And so I would like the definition of what is pink washing? Yeah. I'm going to get to pink washing. I I was pretty sure I didn't want to know that one. And then, uh, (laughs) and then one that I think would speak to Justin, which is rage farming. Okay. Well, I will say that. I had a massive trauma dump last night, like massive. 
I not, don't think that your dramatic. definition of trauma dump is the same as this definition of trauma dump. <laughs> it was very not, traumatic. That, that was what I say. It's not traumatic dump. It's trauma dump. There you go. Yeah. But like, this, but that little anecdote has been traumatic for us all. So pink washing. It's just natural. I do what I can. <laughs> Um, an instance or practice of acknowledging and promoting the civil liberties of the LGBTQ plus community, but superficially as a ploy to divert attention from allegiances and activities that are in fact hostile to such liberties. Posturing has and, always and- been this mayor's stock in trade, so it's no surprise that he's adopted pinkwashing as his latest bogus appeasement of constituents he neither understands nor cares about. Now, let me make a note here. This article says, although it is similar to queer baiting, the term appears to be more political in nature, but again describes a situation in which allegiance to LGBTQ plus is insincere. Well, it's always insincere. I would agree with that. I I would 100% agree with that. Did you guys have, you guys, like, all of this started to, pop up right around the time when they all those kids went and camped out in front of wall street for occupy wall street yeah occupy wall street like right after that like chase bangs like hey guys like we love aids come on and bank with us and then everyone's like oh companies are awesome Mm-hmm. Right. That's part of what is frustrating to me is that you have these woke companies that are actively participating in the destruction of, you know, just life to do basically like the, the great reset situation. They seem to be all in on that. Um, and then the same people that are not wanting regular everyday people to have free speech are supporting these companies that are like the antithesis and they'll say that they're like communists and socialists. And yet these companies are allegedly capitalists, which of course they're not, you know, I mean, it's really like a fascist type system and then they'll call themselves anti-fascist. Like it's complete, it's clown world. It's crazy. Now, the other one that I wanted to get to rage farming and this article is worth checking out because there's um, there's more information here on a couple more interesting terms, but rage farming, the tactic of intentionally provoking political opponents, typically by posting inflammatory content on social media in order to elicit angry responses and thus high engagement or widespread exposure for the original poster. Um, so, gaslighting? What was, what was this word called again? Rage baiting. So basically, so, rage baiting or rage farming? Baiting, rage baiting. We already oh. had a word for this. It's called troll. Correct. Yeah, trolling. Yeah. They got to go and fag it up trolling, man. Like, I can't, I can't handle any more of this. It, it's true that um, they are coming up with new words. But like I said, I don't, I don't necessarily have an issue for coming up with new phrases to describe different things but the revision is where i get concerned and it said they revised over a thousand words now the other thing that i was going to say is that at the moment everything that has been changed updated all of that stuff that has not been listed so this is something that will um, i'm guessing once we get closer to that the biannual um, winter 2023 is when we'll know for sure everything that has been revised, which is of course concerning because I feel like we live in 1984. Well, and I do have to disagree with you on making new words to describe things. The English language is a very vast language and we already have words to describe everything. I say make words great again. Let's bring back Gafer right now, tonight on this podcast. I'd like a commitment from all of you out there to say the word, call someone a gayfer at least once a day. Make I don't even know what that word day. is. Well, uh, I, I'm uh, quite familiar with gayfer from my middle school days, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I don't know if I'll do that, but I would like to bring back the term fag tag. That thing disappeared. Smeared the and- queer. Yeah, that was a that was a fun game. I don't think I ever actually ever played that game. 
Okay. So what I was going to say is actually, Justin, you make a really good point. And now that you say it like that, it does actually remind me of Newspeak <laughs> from 1984. <laughs> I mean, it's just like they, when they yeah. okie doked us on vaccine. Yeah. The old warp speed okie doke. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, so be on the lookout for that. Um, stay aware, stay alert. Hold on to your words, hold on to your dictionary, hold on to your real life, uh, physical media. And, um, you know, we're going to keep keeping an eye on this stuff. Very good. Can, Kyle, do you know, would like DVDs be affected by some sort of like EMP blast or something? No. Or some I mean, radiation? the players would, but the, okay. the discs well, themselves aren't, don't have electronic components within them although maybe some of them did like maybe some of them had a chip like in the the area that what you would normally call a run out on a vinyl record whatever that part is right in the center of a cd i seem to remember parts of that maybe having some kind of like some sort of a drm maybe something like that but but you know traditionally speaking a a cd-rom disc is is the the uh data is burned into it it's not like magnetically attached to it or anything like that so it wouldn't i don't think it would be affected it might get melted if it were inside of a dvd player at the time an emp went off and the and the player burst into flames or whatever happens when an emp goes off but i don't think so but yeah so buy dvds buy print books and vinyl records and all that stuff because and and gonna, go ahead to go around the memory hole take a tv yeah. and a dvd player as well and put it in like a faraday cage yes so that when that emp blast hits you can still you know crank a wheel to watch you know uh hitch yeah except <laughs> Hitch is a terrible movie and should how dare you <laughs> that was a wonderful movie with kevin james you know they they had that playing at my dentist six months ago. Hitch. I I, I might be I might be gay for it, but I really enjoyed that movie. I remember thinking to myself, I know I saw this movie with my girlfriend when it came out in the theaters, and I was hoping that I would never see it again. But <laughs> you know here what? I was yeah. strapped to a chair with my eyes forced open, like I was in Clockwork Orange. And now, I, I now that you mentioned it. Version. I, I do kind of remember while I was watching it doing this. I don't, I'm not entirely sure why. <laughs> For those listening, <laughs> Justin has his hands that's, up in the air going, yay, I love this movie. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a video watcher only bonus there. Right. <laughs> well, um, let's hope that, you know, sometime in the future, we don't have to hide our books at least. If Correct. We, if we manage to collect them appropriately, I suspect we'll lose the ability to read like within <laughs> more generation. Like, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to know how to read in like two generations. That's just going to make books entirely mute. Moot. You know, you might be right. If if we get to a point where we've all got chips in our heads, then we're just going to be. Oh, I'm thinking and not having to look. I'm thinking it. by like two, three generations, we're going back to caveman days. Like the elites are going to be in like their like Uber cities, and everyone else is going to be devolved to cave caveman. Could be that. That certainly would it would come close to it if uh, you know Biden doesn't knock off this Ukraine shit. That's mm. very likely oh. to happen. Yeah, that too. I was just thinking about the Department of Education. Yeah. No. Sorry, continue. Uh, on on a in the same fuck the government vein. Do you guys remember the Alamo? Who doesn't? Um, kinda. Oh come on! Is, it's one of it, the single most important moments in American history. Is Alamo beer a real thing? The what? Alamo beer, or was that oh, just on King of the no, Hill? That was that was on King of the Hill. I, maybe they made a. A, a you know like a commemorative version of it or something, but 
I, okay. I don't think it, I think it was just, you know. You know. Well, it took 30 and, seconds and I'm out of facts on the Alamo. Okay. Well, the Alamo for, you know, probably the millennials and Gen Z's who are listening to us was a, uh, it was it, at the time of the battle, it was a, it was a fort in Texas. And during the war that the Republic of Texas was having with Mexico at the time, the Mexican dictator, Santa, Santa Ana, drove his army in and the, the Alamo was kind of this last bastion of defense in the area. And, you know, notable characters such as Davy Crockett and uh, Jim Bowie, the, the namesake of the Bowie knife, were there. Davy the Crockett, battle. namesake of the Crockpot, don't forget. Right, the Crockpot. <laughs> <laughs> so they it, it's the famous battle because everybody in there died but it was a, a heroic you know last stand of this kind of independence freedom movement that was going on at the time and after that event remember the alamo was the the you know the thing people yelled during the rest of the war that took place kind of like it, never forget or never again Right, but I those, I don't think are... I don't think the Alamo was a was like a psyop false flag inside job thing. I think that was an actual battle where people died well, trying to defend something. But wasn't that like the last battle before Texas was taken over by the United States? Yeah, it was pretty close to it. Because I mean, I... I think they they maintained their independence from Mexico, and then shortly thereafter. Petition the United States for entrance. Am I, I history correct? Am I just drunk, or did they actually have American citizens across the Texas border in Mexico, and then they, the Americans were in the wrong, and then basically they called the government for backup, and they blatantly lied and said like, "Oh yeah, they attacked us on American soil." And that was the um, start of the land grab of Texas. How much is that is accurate? Uh, I'm no I'm no scholar on the subject, but uh, that all that could very well be true. It it did seem kind of weird though. Uh, Texans were, you know, you know, white Europeans from you know the the United States area, so they they weren't native Mexicans living there that were yelling for Texan independence. Um, but at any rate, the Alamo is this legendary battle and who knows if any of the, of the stories about it are true or not. However, there was one of these, uh, one of the guys that was present during the fight, his name was Moses Rose. And he is famous because he's the only participant in the battle to run away from the battle. Uh, as the legend is, um uh, travis the the guy that was in charge um his name was travis what was his first name yella uh, mm, no 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 um i'm gonna well, anyway the, the, the guy that was it was the uh, commanding officer at the alamo he took out his his saber drew a, a line in the sand and said you know santa Ana's army is on his way we have to defend this point. Who's with me? Cross, you know, walk over the line. And everybody except this guy, Moses Rose, crossed the line. And, uh, oh, man, I almost had it. Was it Scott Travis? That's not right. At any rate, so and during that night, uh, as the, the besieged uh, Alamo, the Santa Ana's army was surrounding it at that point, Moses Rose hopped the wall and took off. And... So he's he's been he's famous for being a coward by most people probably. Uh, who knows what his real motivations were? He seemed to be an older guy who was a veteran of several wars on different continents, and I, his he was never shy about telling the story. His explanation was, you know, I I wasn't ready to die. I've seen this kind of situation roll out before, and I just want to go home and be with my family. So he that's why he left. 
which seems rational by today's thus, standards. Thus beginning the long-standing traditions of jumping the uh, fence from Mexico to uh, America. Yeah, that, you may be right. So anyway, a <clears throat> uh, couple hundred years later, to in today today's time, there's a <clears throat> there's a a uh, you know the Alamo still exists physically, like it's still there. It's a museum. Uh, it's a historical landmark. There's a bar right next door to it called um, Moses Rose's Last Stand. Or something to that effect. What is it? Yeah, Moses Rose's. Anyway, that's the name of the bar. So now you know why it's called that. So mm -hmm. the bar is currently being threatened by the Texas government by uh, eminent domain because the museum uh, at the Alamo site wants to expand to uh, create a new um, civil rights pavilion or something like that. I'm going to get that part wrong. But anyway, this guy who runs the bar doesn't want to sell because the San Antonio area has exploded in recent years and he's, his bar is wildly popular now. He said it used to be a, a kind of a slum where he where he first built it, but he's worked hard all these years and he's built it up and he's got this great thing and he's not he doesn't want to sell it, but um, the the state keeps pushing him and pushing him year after year. They say, well, the first year they said we'll give you a million dollars for it. He's like, no, it's that's uh, way too low. I mean, I'm making more than that. Yada yada. And the next year, two two and a half million and yada yada. yada. He said, you know what? I'll sell it to you for 15 million. And the state said, I don't think so. And then they gave him one last offer of 3 million or thereabouts. And he said, nope. And they said, okay, then we're just going to come in and use eminent domain and we're just going to take the land from you. So he's currently fighting this right now. And uh, if you live in the San Antonio area, you should go and, I don't know, glue your face to the ground in front of it like the kids are doing these days or something like that and protest. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, but this guy sounds like he's, you know, he himself is fighting his own Alamo battle, as it were. Very, very and, interesting. Um, well, do you think that protesting actually makes any difference? That depends. Like, I mean, oh, honestly, please. like, it had any rioters showed up in my neighborhood, I would have been, you know, defending my property. But at the same time, like, I'm pretty sure that's the only way to actually get change. Tar and feather. By defending your property? Bring, bring tar and feathering back again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, be down, I'd be down with that. Yeah, I, I have a real issue with them trying, pulling the eminent domain bullshit. Yes, I have a big problem with that. And that's it. They think about when you hear Texas, Texas, you think like freedom, guns, America. But they're yeah. actually really terrible on a lot down there. Well, in the, the bigger cities, like Austin, I think Austin is like the second most populous city in the country or third, something like that. And it's it's wildly liberal, you know. So, the, I mean, it's just the metropolitan areas are just – but it's like that in every state. The, yes, it's becoming that way. Shit, and the entire rest of the state is stark red. Oh, the entire country is a sheet of red with just blue – pockets yeah. here and there so this this guy who owns the bar he's got a quote here it says uh he, he's going to keep fighting he said um it was it was just a bad faith bullshit negotiation that they had to have before they could start the eminent domain process a texan is for small government and fiercely independent it's totally un-texan it's stupidly ironic that's what i was just saying yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's disturbing, you know, uh, and that's the exact kind of thing that I, I get concerned about with the larger um, great reset, you know, the fact of um, that they're going to grab the land. And I think that potentially even this, um, the Ohio train derailment is something that according to something now, I have not gone down this rabbit hole fully, but I've seen some stuff online that's intimating that with the agenda 2030 stuff, 
that if they classify an area as highly polluted or this, that, and the other thing, that, that they can then seize that land. Um, mm. So it's really, you know, that's a very prescient story that you're discussing, Kiel, because um, I think it may be something that more and more of us, you know, or a more common theme in the coming days. Yeah, he the, uh, the, the name of the bar, I got it wrong. It, it was... Moses Rose's hideout is the name of the bar. Oh, that's cool. So that makes sense because that's where he left to go drink instead of well, fight. And hopefully they'll get someone like the Inst Institute for Justice to uh, um, pick up the case and at least give him an amicus brief. Um, but it's it's really in places like the Institute for Justice, like that's that's the last hope. Just really good lawyers you know trying to pick up the most egregious cases in the country at you know pro bono mm -hmm. well I, I think he's got lawyers i mean this guy isn't it doesn't seem like he's in yeah you know financial need but uh he he did have a funny anecdote here so earlier this year george p bush the son of jeb and nephew mm. of george w he called Cantu's refusal to sell at the state's price, quote, dishonorable. Hmm. And in response, hmm. the guy the guy said that he would, if he if he ever saw Bush, George P. Bush, he would challenge him to a duel in front of the, the Alamo. Is that legal in Texas still? He said, he said, we would we said jokingly, ha if ha. Dueling ha we, is we legal. Just, if dueling is legal in Texas, I'm moving. I don't know. Maybe he said we just use squirt guns oh. just to avenge my honor. Is what he said. I wanted to see yeah. a real, a real duel. Like that's what this, that's what this country needs. Bring dueling back. When two politicians yeah. have a disagreement, they'll go out back and they'll duel, duel for it. And yeah. I have a real problem with a member of the Bush family grandstanding against anybody. I really, really do. Mm hmm. Yeah, so maybe, this guy's, maybe there's oil in the bar. Probably. Maybe, maybe, yeah, it could be. Well, they're they're planning on expanding the museum there. That's the thing. It's what? not like they're going to. Museums are gay as shit. I'd have to disagree with you on that. Okay, but let let me let I've... me run a quick example by you. Okay, you're going to it for a night out. Option one, cool fun bar. Option two. Gay boring museum. Which one are you gonna go to? Uh, I don't. That's that depends. Honestly, if it's if if it's hey, let's go to this loud, obnoxious, sh you know, bullshit bro bar or something like that. I'm like, well, no. I don't think I don't think it was in Austin. There was probably some square dancing going on. To be honest, <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, but I like museums. I and I've been to the. I used to live in, in Texas, and our family took a road trip down to San Antonio one time, and I, I actually got to walk around in the Alamo, and it was pretty cool. And there was a, a picture of it, of me standing in front of it to mark that occasion, and I have no idea where that's at now. Hmm. You should share you, it in the Discord when you find it. Do you also no, have I, one? I know. I don't have it. My do you have, have one family. of you standing in all four states at the four corners? No. Oh, I mean, you were, you were, I mean, you were in that part of the country. Why not? Do you know where Texas is? Yeah. <laughs> like up there by Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Could be. Yes. <laughs> Could be by Canada. Holy crap. So yeah, this guy's in a hard spot. I hope he, I hope he gets enough attention that somehow the state relents and he, yeah, he I mean, gets to keep his bar. Bad press so is really the only hope the guy has. Like as much bad, like get him as much bad press as they can, and maybe yeah. you know they'll be too embarrassed. Yeah, or like going viral, maybe something like that. But that being said, how many ATF and police department pages have you seen where every post they make is like confiscated these uh, unregistered scooters from you? Know, or confiscated this boom box from, you know, it's like, that's just theft. 
and mm-hmm. they yeah. fucking get ratioed and downvoted and laugh react and every fucking comment is like just calling them out and they just do it again that's true hmm. that is true rolls right off their bats yeah so all in all fuck yeah. fuck the government ftg definitely i believe that's how kilter started this one out yes uh, yes it was so continuing that theme justin i think you have also have a fuck the government story right uh or or a way to spin the story you had into that narrative yeah we could probably get there all right um, more specifically you know this is a fuck the amazon which is, I mean, basically government at this point, right? Yeah, yes. So, Absolutely. Um, I like to cover just different, like, I like to, like, torrentfreak.com is one of my daily uh, news sources. It just gives you weird other stuff that you wouldn't normally hear about. Um, they follow, like, um, big game-making companies suing cheaters for billions of dollars. And, you know, give out some VPN reviews. Uh, I really like it. Torrentfreak.com. But um, I saw this one yesterday or the day before. But Amazon uh, is removing books from Kindle Unlimited uh, because of a breach of an exclusivity deal. Um, So I was trying to remember what podcast I was listening to. It might have been an episode of Tom Woods. uh, But the guest was basically, he was an author. And basically, he was talking about the just giant, you know, rabbit hole of Amazon book publishing, because it's, I mean, Amazon is the place to go to for everything, but they have uh, exclusivity deals. Um, So if you sign up with them and you agree to only release your uh, media with them, they're going to give you like a 40% cut. Um, well, if you don't, they'll give you a 10% cut of all the sales. And I, that's, ah. I don't think that's their actual numbers, but it was pretty egregious like that. Um, and since you're still going to make more money getting that 10% versus saying like 90% with like the third highest, you know, book retailer online. Uh, you're still getting end up making more money because everyone goes to Amazon. Because I mean, they got basically a monopoly with uh, Audible and Kindle. Uh, it's all just one click away. Uh, so fuck Amazon, which is protected by the government because they're it's a controlled monopoly at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. but what's funny is that they didn't actually the authors that got pulled they didn't actually breached their exclusivity deal they got their content pulled because it was showing up on pirate sites that's what i was gonna say like they had no control over that right right and it's uh, the federal government and multi-billion dollar media companies have been trying to get rid of it since the since before the start of the internet um and it's more rampant than ever now and this actually reminded me of a story from back in 2005 when Sony ran a rootkit on your computer, which is basically a virus so that they can watch every single thing you do as a form of copyright protection for their music. I might bring that one next week if hmm. if nothing else pops up. It's pretty egregious. Hmm. Uh, Sounds Yeah, and then... I have some uh, pieces here highlighted, but I refreshed the page apparently, and they're no longer there. Uh, So we're going to do a little bit of paraphrasing here. Uh, So over the past few weeks, several authors complained that Amazon removed their books uh, because they violated it. And what's hilarious is that what happens is Amazon says that they send the authors a uh like a warning first like hey like we have an exclusivity deal with you your content can be found here for free so you need to take care of that or else you got to go sounds reasonable well 
you know, how are they going to get? <laughs> <laughs> Which, and I don't believe that intellectual property or copyright should exist. You can't, you can't mm-hmm. ban other people from having ideas. Yeah. Just imagine all the awesome inventions that were missing because some young creator came up with this awesome thing, filed a patent for it, and then some multi-million dollar company comes in and says, no, 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 that's too close to our thing. And then they probably eventually just end up making it way shittier than the other guy would have. Yeah, copyrights and patents, those are just purely just barriers to entry just from Mm -hmm. the core. I mean, you can you can make an argument. Uh, I'll say this: you can make an argument that a uh, a big uh, industry leader, like in a pharmaceutical industry or something, pours millions of dollars into research some new miracle drug, and you know they they have to get their money back, so yeah, they file a patent, and so they get to sell it exclusively. You, you know, also legally. have to remember, though, that I believe that the majority of their costs actually go to regulations i could be making that up but that sounds right to me i I don't know but there is an incentive to invest in r d because you know that once you reach your research goals that you will be able to patent something right that and and have a monopoly on it for at least a while so so i kind of understand that but still i think there's a, a free market way around all that you know, so I, well, I, I, I don't like patent copyrights. Anyway. Well, and if that, that drug company makes that miracle drug and then they release it and they can't file a, you know, patent on it or anything, it's still going to take people time to reverse engineer it, um, you know, figure yeah. out how they can pr- mass produce it. And then they have to, you know, advertise why theirs is better and yada. yada. So that's going to be a good long advantage of first to market. And then once you're first to market, like you go to any grocery store right now and there's like the Kroger brand of Excedrin or there's the Excedrin brand of Excedrin, which is, you know, supposedly, I mean, it's like twice as much and it's supposedly they're the exact same thing. Yeah. But people still buy Excedrin. Yep. Brand recognition. Yeah. And brand loyalty. Brand loyalty. Yeah. And, I mean, all that's fine. I I agree with you, though. I, I think I think the world would be a better place without copyrights and patents and government regulations and minimum wage and you know well, age, and, work restrictions and stuff like that. I, all that's just makes everything expensive and forces us to ship things overseas to production. And we need to get rid of the income tax and put the fair tax in there and all that kind of crap. Well, and if anyone is stuck on intellectual property, I highly recommend, um, this is one of the few books I've read in the last decade. It's pretty short. <laughs> um, but Against Intellectual Property by Stephen Kinsella, and it's actually free on Mises.org uh, in audio, you know, book format, whatever you want. But he's actually... Mises, they have sorry. a big free library don't they have lots of stuff don't they They do oh yeah There's a lot of free a lot of free liberty stuff on mises dot is it dot org or dot com it's dot org okay but uh yeah that was like he even comes out and publicly says like uh and he's he's a copyright lawyer he's a patent lawyer but he says like hey if you think you can make money selling my book off your name you're more than welcome to copy it word for word and you can resell it for a dollar for, for all I care. Huh. So uh, a yeah. copyright attorney with a uh, morals. See, yeah, that's, that's the thing. I, I think if we didn't have copyright laws and, and patents and things, I, I think there's already uh, uh, a, a law structure in place called fraud. You know, that's, if you were to copy a bunch of CDs of some new, uh, who well, are the kids listening to these days? The, the I, I can break block, down whatever it is. I, I can break down your fraud argument right here, though, because the only way that would be fraud is if you entered into some sort of 
consensual agreement, like an end user license agreement. And you no. say like, sorry, go ahead. Well, that go finish your thought, but that's not where I was going with my okay. argument. Um, well, because if you know, if I'm like, hey, Steve, I'd like to buy your music CD. He's like, okay, but you can copy it. You know, you can only listen to it. You can't do anything else to it. And then you forget your, you know, uh, portable CD player on the park bench. The guy that walks up and picks it up, he's under no obligation not to do it. It's his now. Well, that's that's kind of a theft right there. Well, let's say he, you know, <laughs> waited 15 minutes to see if anyone came back for it. Uh, uh, it's like that, if... That... You find a book on the park bench, you know, there's no one around, you know, you can't see another person for miles. That's your book now. I mean, if it's worth picking yeah. up. I think and that you would... didn't enter in, into any sort of contract with anyone to gain ownership of that book. Right. So you but, can uh, do as you please. There would be a jurisdictional uh, thing if you said, how long was it sitting there abandoned? Does it actually count as free game? But anyway, that's not where I was going. What I was going to say was, if if I took a CD and made copies of it and sold the CD, I would have to not... Uh, I could be sued by the guy who cre originally created it if I were trying to present my product as if I wrote these songs and I recorded these songs and these are my creation. Because that would be fraudulent. If I was just copying them and saying, hey, this is the new album from so-and-so, you can, you can have them half off from me, you know. But then you're, it's probably going to be not as high quality packaging and stuff. But I mean, I, I essentially, I don't have a problem with that. As long as you're not claiming to be the originator of the item that you're selling. You're, you're, you're making it clear that this is a copy and you're not trying to make it seem as if these are official, you know, genuine things that you're selling. That's when, right. that's when I think the fraudulent argument. That, and that would be fraudulent between you and the person that you sold the CD to, not the person that originally recorded it. Well, you'd probably get it from both ends if you did that. Well, unless that person said that he wasn't going to do that like i i feel for me as a as a free market anarchist i really feel like for something to be fraud there has to be a consensual contract between the two parties but what if i what if i came up to you with a knife and said i'm going to kill you now and stabbed you in the face would your family not have any recourse to you know you could sue me for depriving them of your life or could the state not arrest me for murder at that point yeah but that's i didn't breach any contract well that's that's murder that's you know fraud well, like, fraud is fraud and but the difference there is mate, that buddy. <laughs> there's no 100 percent point a to point b that by you doing that it is going to 100% cause the other person harm. So maybe he sells it to, um, you know, guy the DJs at a radio station. So he says like, hey, this is my boy, um, DJ Joe. And then, you know, everyone listens to it. They go and see him in concert. They realize that's not him. Um, is he, has he really hurt anyone other than himself? Well, he's committed fraud at that point. He lied about the nature of what he was smart, what he was selling to people. That would be my definition. Yeah, you know what? I was, I, I kind of, you know how the train tracks have like the lever that changes you? I feel like I hit that lever and I forgot where I was originally going. <laughs> because I did work out a scenario in my head where that was um, complete opposite of what I was just arguing. Well, I can segue from that. Do you know who's not fraudulent? Mm. Tell us. Joe Biden. Tell us. Joe Biden. More votes than Trump, baby. 2024. Well, 
Let's go. I can't I can't argue with that. But I was going to go with uh, Putin. <laughs> Vladimir mm. Putin. He's not fraudulent. Right? Or maybe I don't he think is. So. Anyway, I mean, except for That's never mind. Go ahead. Sorry. He's no he's no Rasputin, that's for sure. Mm, yeah, probably not. But uh anyway, he has awarded Steven Seagal the top award for humanitarian work that can be attained by a non uh, citizen in Russia. Wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. The the order of friendship as it's called. Wow. It's, it's, so what I hate about that it is so gay, but it's like, like a dude that like wrestles bears and shoots guns out of people's hands. Karate kicks bullets out of midair. Like what's more manly than that? Well, no, it's uh, but it sounds anyway. so gay. <laughs> the order of friendship. So let's see. He says, uh, Putin said, I want to congratulate you and express the hope that this is another, albeit small gesture, and it might be a sign of the gradual normalization of relations between our countries. When he, he Putin said, when presenting Seagal with his citizenship document, oh, that was what his citizen document. Sorry, I'm misquoting here. Huh. Anyway, so fake uh, news. Fake news, yep. I didn't realize anyway, that Steven Seagal was, um, like he is had russian citizenship yes he has he's been there for a while hasn't he oh yeah yes way way before we hated russia suddenly seagal has hailed putin as one of the greatest world leaders one of the greatest presidents in the world in a 2022 birthday message wow You, you know what though I bet that he really means that because I bet if you're like an action star movie and you're rich and you're like, you know, best friends with Putin, I -hmm. imagine you're probably living a pretty sweet life in Russia. Yeah, I I think it's all part of the thing because Putin has always been a big martial arts fan. And I think he's a he's a judo black belt, isn't he? Something like that. Uh, But uh, yeah, he loves he loves Steven Seagal because. Who, yeah. do, who, who doesn't Steven love Seagal. Steven Seagal? Uh, probably his uh, the line of uh, personal mas- mas- massage therapists that he uh, supposedly treated inappropriately, hmm. which I think led to his uh, escape from persecution here in the United States. I'm sure uh, they got compensated for uh, their I'm sure efforts. They did. I think there were some settlements made at some point. I have to look into that story. Yeah. I don't I really I don't know if he if if he actually ran away from that, but I think the the story that was coming out about him put him in a bad light and I, he just kind of went off to do something else and uh, like I said Putin's a big martial arts fan. I think there was an an, an invitation for Seagal to go over there and yeah, he probably showered him with uh whatever he wanted. Because Seagal is a cool guy. Have you ever watched that? Uh, he had a TV show for a while. Where he was a cop? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was actually a cop, right? Yeah. yeah he, he was a, a sheriff's deputy down in Louisiana. Um, something parish. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, it could they could have just been playing it up for the show. But it looked like he was. they were in like a very... Um, poor minority community and he just like pulls up everywhere They're like oh shit it's steven seagal yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it was like cops starring steven seagal you know and it you was have awesome. chases and all sorts and of stuff. yeah that was, that was a the cool best show. is when they do like the the little things in the um in the uh police station where he's like trading other people how to do judo yeah and, like He's he's like three hundred fifty pounds. <laughs> he is. He's a huge fat ass, and he's, you know, throwing people around and stuff. And uh, <laughs> he's he's teaching people how to shoot because he's a marksman as well. So oh, yeah, good. I'm know. sure it's good work if you get it. Yeah. Let's say if you, if anyone hasn't watched that show, it is. It's, what was it's it definitely called? entertaining. Um. What? I'm in front of a computer, a supercomputer. So, uh, okay. give me like thirty seconds. Well, I tell you what, Steven Steven Seagal. 
law man. That's it. My I'm my dad. Man. My dad's a huge Steven Seagal. Well, actually, I can't say that he's a huge Steven Seagal fan anymore because he's a he's a Fox uh, News guy. So I don't know what a his God loving patriot. Or, yeah, all that stuff. So mm. um, maybe his opinion has changed. But he used to be used to be all over that stuff. I'd I'd buy him a whatever the new straight to DVD Steven Seagal movie was that year. <laughs> I would get that for him for for birthday or Christmas or whatever. And then I'd come back, you know, a couple months later or a couple weeks later for dinner or something, and and I would notice like the 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 DV the Lord of the Rings DVD set box set or whatever other thing people had bought for him over the year would still be in its wrapping, but not that Steven Seagal DVD that would definitely be unwrapped and Hell <laughs> that's yeah. hilarious. Dude, Steven Seagal, his movies rule, even the ones where he is like 300 pounds, because it's just so ridiculous. I I enjoyed Under Siege, and uh, I don't know what else. I mean, probably get, you know, if you're in a, a state where it's legal, maybe a little, you know, puff puff uh, before you watch it, it it's 100% going to be a good time. No doubt. Probably not bad drunk either. Probably so. <laughs> well, oh. we're nearing the end here. Yeah, and I did. I did want to want to mention. Um, um, check out uh the show notes uh and read the articles because they're a lot of times pretty interesting. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. Because they're interesting enough to find their way onto our show. Obviously. People should read them because they are interesting inherently. Right. And, you know, you'll probably get a lot more from the actual article than me bumbling around it drunk like an idiot at nine o'clock <laughs> at night. Correct. All right. So, uh, great. Anybody have any last story statements before we kind of start wrapping it up? Any other I do not. comments, corrections, or concerns? I would only ask Ashley um, where people can find us if they would like to do so. I'm glad you asked. You can find us, all of our contact information, at unionoftheunknowns.com. You can reach out to us that way, you know, through email, voicemail, Twitter, Discord, all the things. Yes. And we should also mention we're on Rockfin. Yes. If which, you're interested, if you're interested in the Rockfin content, um, Rockfin.com/slash/Union of the Unknowns, and if you decide to sign up for, I believe they have a free trial. Um, go to our page and join through that, and then that'll help us um, out on Rockfin, not get, yes. not get kicked off. <laughs> right, and yeah. And we also, if you are an RSS podcast app listener, as I think probably most people are since we just recently got on Rockfin, you can uh, sign up for a premium service. I think it's $4.99 a month, so it's not that expensive. But we put out content there that's only on that premium feed. And I will be and doing an ISM Can't Rants uh, segment. Yes, and we'll be days. actually producing a lots of cool stuff for that. So check us out there as well. Is there, yeah. I feel like if someone's listened this far, they deserve an award. Any like Illuminati secrets or anything to, to share out there in the show? Well, I, I think if you um, rearrange the letters in the words on Ashley's hat, it will, it will, create a secret message that everyone should pay attention to i like it yeah you better go look um <clears throat> without uh without makeup the one time that i get on here without makeup <laughs> um anyway the other thing that i wanted to say was to the the people that are regularly listening to our show thank you so much um really appreciate your support your feedback your interaction it really means a lot. And because um, sometimes it's, you know, if you're not hearing from people, you don't really realize that people are actually listening. 
um, and taking their time to do that. So I just wanted to say um, thank you to those folks. And we really do appreciate it very much. Well said. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Justin. And we are out. Good night. Not Your Mama's News has been a production of the Union of the Unknowns podcast. New episodes are available weekly on all your favorite podcasting networks.